Hey, Dan Talks listeners, welcome to another episode of Dan Talks. This week, I'm talking to Joey Nolfi, who is an Entertainment Weekly journalist assigned to, get this, Drag Race, The Oscars, Lady Gaga, and The View, among others. So naturally, we had a really hard time figuring out what to talk about. I really was at a loss. Um, But you know what? We made it through, and I look forward to you bearing witness to both my fangirling of Joey himself and also my endless minute questioning of every minute detail um, of all four of those topics and probably many more. So without further ado, here is the Edward R. Murrow of the gay community, Joey Nolfi. Okay, Joey Nolfi, I am catching you on a great moment because this isn't going to air tomorrow. It'll air like a week from tomorrow, but we are whatever the opposite of Eve is of the Oscars. Yes, the Oscars hangover morning. Yeah, so as the Entertainment <laughs> Weekly, sorry, as the Entertainment Weekly <laughs> Oscar chief of police, what what are the reports from the front line? Not chief of police. We're doing the peppermint X fingers for that. <laughs> Not chief of police. Um, I, I I will take the Patrizia Rajani of uh, EW's Oscars force. Let's go with that. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I am feeling uh, hungover. I am yes. feeling like this is a full year's worth. Of, well, actually, the funny thing is, is that everybody is always like, oh, it's been such a crazy season for Oscars, whatever. And I'm like, okay, anybody who says that is not a real Oscar watcher because the season doesn't stop. The yeah. season for the following year starts before the current season is even done at Sundance. So mm-hmm. it literally never stops. So mm-hmm. I can say like, oh yeah, I feel hungover, drunk on a Oscar season, but like we're already in the thick of the next one. So it's there's no rest for Oscar watchers at all. And so were you, um, pardon me for not knowing this already, were you on the red carpet or the champagne carpet, excuse me? I was not on the champagne carpet. No, I'm actually, I'm based in New York City. So I was, okay. um, I I live in Brooklyn. I was, my living room turned into the Oscars war room. So uh, yeah, I was in my living room covering the Oscars, um, just like everybody else. But it's sometimes easier because I feel like when you go to the press room at, or you're there, you can only really do the reporting. You can't do the writing. And I like to write about it and pick up on news that's happening and, you know, checking what everybody's saying on social. So I like doing that more. I feel like if I was in the room, I would get too overwhelmed. And you like churn out stories like like when Gaga helped the photographer, like you are there like, how do I get that? Like, I need 150 <laughs> words on, yes. like, Gaga just helped the photographer. Yeah, that was a wild moment. But yeah, it's like, I have a really great team here at EW. Um, you know, my editor, uh, Jillian Cedarholm, who works with me a lot on the Quick Drag podcast and the EW's been Quick Drag, or uh, podcast on Drag Race that we did, started two years ago. She... Uh, is really great at running points on these things. So she was, you know, sending that assignment out and um, looking for a writer for it. And I was like, of course. And yeah, whipped that up very quickly. Lady Gaga in full combat journalist mode, finally. Um, yeah, very, only at the Oscars, moments like that. Um, what's your grade for the fashion for the night? A, B, C, D. Um... <laughs> You can be honest. Constructive criticism. Yeah, I'm just, uh, this is the first time I'm actually confronting my thoughts on the collective fashion. I mean, mm-hmm. I was not wowed by, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm as I sit here in my like sweater from ASOS um, and my $2 Amazon hat uh, as the uh, critic on what is next in fashion, um, I would say like C minus. I, I just, I don't, uh, 
the only things that I really loved were um, Mindy Kaling, who mm-hmm. <laughs> iconic for switching from the white dress to the black version of the exact same dress. I she would... literally just changed the color of her dress. Wow. So funny. Um, it was the same dress, just in a different color. I know. Uh, I had that thought when she came out to present, and I thought, oh, I, I like, uh, like that uh-huh. is the same dress, but same is she thing. wearing something Iconic else? behavior. Yeah. Iconic behavior. I also really liked Melissa McCarthy. Uh, I thought Melissa yeah. McCarthy looked really great in the in the red. And then, of course, I mean, with the aerial too, the two of them with the poop. yes, like, it was like yes, a poop yes, parade. Yes. That was so great. Yes, and then I mean, Gaga, like you can't. I, I mean, come on now. I mean, she just looked amazing in that Versace dress uh, with her little butt hanging out and rushing to help a photographer who's fallen on the red carpet like while trying to keep that little uh dress up it was just yeah uh, i mean gaga i think hands down best dress for me and what do you think about gaga's no makeup makeup and the black on black on converse and the close-up um, i thought it was odd given that i mean we saw rihanna um and i am saying rihanna as rupaul great mother taught us <laughs> it is rihanna um I thought it was interesting given that Rihanna went all in on like promoting Fenty Beauty during her Super Bowl show. And then Gaga, who's like done nothing but promote <laughs> house labs when everybody's like, mother, new music. And not she, a stitch. Not a stitch of house labs. On Chat lips. Chat <laughs> bottom <laughs> lips. And that image of her in the shadowy, like, opening of that song I just and when she put, oh my god when she put her head down and she is just right above the microphone i was like that is the mike wazowski meme from monsters inc where he's like just in his little microphone i was like that i i didn't i, I feel like it was very clear that this was a last minute performance and this is what you know i think it paired well with the fact that it was a last minute performance like not a lot of preparation had to go on this very stripped very pulled back um but I also think you could tell that the camera people were maybe not as rehearsed in this performance because Gaga clearly wanted it to be a very intimate shot. But then like they were having trouble like keeping up with her. There was like just whole moments where she would just dive out of frame and the camera was like, where's Gaga? So yeah, I, I lived for it. I think she like, has her life as a drag queen, essentially. Yes. And now it's like the moment. It's like the thing of like when Janelle Monae stopped wearing the uniform of the suit and started doing other things. It's like Gaga is yeah. now like going back to this like Lower East Side bar performance. Like, oh, I love what, it. You yeah. want to make the bar feel like Madison Square Garden. You want the Madison Square Garden to feel like a bar. You yes. Know? So she's like doing that whole thing. And it's yes. like you can only do that once you reach that point. You can be like, of okay. Course. I can do whatever I want. I will wear nothing. I will like not not wear nothing. I'll wear jeans and t-shirt, ripped, converse, mm-hmm. just yeah. close up on me, and I'm gonna like really feel this song. Yeah, because that was a very similar vibe to even though she was wearing like a huge glamorous gown at right. the 2019 Oscars when she performed Shallow with Bradley Cooper, it was the same kind of vibe, like very right. just pulled in on the two of them, close mm-hmm. a lot of close-ups, stripped mm-hmm. back version of the song. But I just love that we're entering the new era of gaga and what did, what did she say in that interview the other day that she just is now more interested in living a life of solitude i'm like okay and yet in her castle in ireland tease and also Whoopi goldberg being like i don't want to marry anybody because i don't want somebody in my house like yeah that's the era of gaga that we're in and i'm here for it you cover well you cover a lot of things oh, i yes. feel like two pillars oscars drag race and the view <laughs> and the three view. big things oh yes. my god okay <laughs> We might have to go along and say, um, and, and Gaga. 
in well, the middle yeah, the of things. How do we even tackle this? Okay. Have yeah. you you've sat down with the ladies of the view? No, I have, have you, you've, never. you've never sat down with Joy? No, it is never on ever. my list. This is a new thing at EW. Okay, so my like core pillars of coverage at EW have been Oscars, Drag Race, Gaga. And then within the past year, we've really been increasing our coverage on The View. Um, I write an article on The View almost daily at this point, um, just because it's so much fun, chaos. And but yeah, we have never, um, I've never sat down with those ladies and it is my dream. So speaking it into existence. Alyssa is doing a great job. Um, that, no, that is, that wasn't a question. That is a, that is a thought to have. That is a thought to have. What is your thought that you have about it? Uh, my thought is that that is a thought to have for you. <laughs> she looks beautiful great. gowns, She's beautiful, beautiful <laughs> gowns, beautiful gowns. Um, Who would you rather have in that position? Like, okay, to be to be honest, you live for Megan be... McCain. Yes. <laughs> no. No. I knew it. <laughs> okay. Bad. Not. I, I don't want this to. No. This cannot be misrepresented. I do not live for Megan McCain. I do not advocate for Megan McCain as a journalist you know like I cannot sit here and say like oh what a show needs to do with their panel um I will say that I enjoyed what the presence of Megan McCain did to that panel and I think that Alyssa doesn't have the same kind of maybe flavor that or or, or she doesn't elicit the same kind of reaction out of the panel that Megan did. So I'm not sitting here saying that I agree with Megan's views or that I I support Megan as a person. I'm just saying that I think with Megan on the panel, the view was a, a lot more um, contentious and interesting. So I it's like when they all get along, it's like on Drag Race, like a season of Drag Race. If every single person is getting along, if it's season nine vibes, then I think it loses an element of uh, spark that is is interesting and i think that you really sort of felt that when megan left because i mean you can even tell in that uh interview she gave to variety after leaving that like her mind was in a space when she was on the view and i think it definitely came out and made for some really interesting television so no i need to put it out in the world i'm not sitting here stumping for megan mccain um I just thought it, the show was a little bit more interesting with her on it. And you don't think Anna Navarro versus Alyssa is... Oh, I love it. Oh, I love it, but Anna See, Navarro's hardly so on. I know. She, she's barely on it. I Anna Navarro, I love Anna Navarro. I yes. am obsessed with her. And I just, I wish that she was on it more. But yes. she's just not. But yes, anytime there is an Alyssa Anna thing going on, um, yeah, you bet I am tuned in. I just get so uncomfortable. It's so mom and dad fighting to me. And I feel like the view is like, you want to, like, I want to be... I want to want to be at the table with yes. them, like girlfriends talking. And it's yeah. it's not the like housewives thing where I want to see the train wreck. I want to see the discussion. And, and when it gets too yes. deep versus you, it's like very uncomfortable. Well, I think that th that's interesting when the views are completely polar opposite, like they are with Megan and Whoopi or Megan and Joy. I, I do like that kind of um, me versus you mm -hmm. um, attitude. But... Yeah, when it's Alyssa and Anna, it's not, it's always like subtle shade yes. that turns into like maybe one insult and then they just yes. move on. And I'm just like, right. this is confusing. Um, but yeah, I just, I wish that Anna was was on a little bit more. I think it's odd that they announced her as like a permanent co-host and then she's on what, like once a week? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's odd. Very odd. Um, Drag Race, what are your thoughts? 
Um, oh, well, uh, we might need to narrow that to that question down. Um, are we talking who's in your, general? Who's your because winner? It, what are the conspiracy theories? What's oh the gosh. word on the street? What's uh, your the word on the street? What's on the edit floor that no one knows? Well, I think I am generating a lot of word on the street with my coverage, so I can well, tell you, you what. Yeah, the 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 tea on the street is um, that this season. We're, we're, well, we're back at ninety minutes, so this is a, a huge deal. I think that it feels did was you you watched the most recent episode right yes so how did you feel about it being back to 90 minutes did you could you sense a difference it was like a deep breath yeah it really was yeah i felt like i didn't feel like i was you know being forced to watch like pack drag because when you compact drag race drag race is already such a manic show when you compact it even further it feels like you're not it just feels like bam 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 Mm -hmm. it feels like you're watching tammy brown read an encyclopedia like it's it's just it's so fast and quick fire and doesn't make sense when it's that fast Mm -hmm. so i love that we just like you said it was a breather we got everybody got fleshed out we got our first rue video message of the Mm -hmm. season hearing Rue say, bring back my girls for the first time this season. It felt like old school drag race. And I think the episode itself benefited largely from it. We got time with everybody. We got one of the best lip syncs, I think of all time in drag race history. And the lip sync was a li- felt a little bit longer too this episode. Mm-hmm. So I think that, yeah, word on the street is that drag race feels like it's, it's back to what we ha- um, have grown to love about the show over the past God, 14 years. And I'm feeling like we are definitely uh, where are we going with this final four like i think well actually we don't even know if it's going to be a final four this year i'm assuming it's going to be a final four um as it has been the past few years but i could see a case again where maybe we're doing a top five who knows um i think that there is a clear-cut sort of path for three of them i'm gonna say and i think it's a victory uh, yes, I am seeing winter vibes from Sasha, winter vibes from Mistress, and winter vibes potentially from Anitra. Um, Lux also is up there. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, it's it's hard to say at this point because I still think there's a lot of. We'll be able to tell after the Rusical episode. I think who is fully cemented in that top three or four or five or whatever they choose to do. You did such a great job interviewing all of them individually and as a giant group before the season premiered. Thank you very much. How do you keep that all straight when you're talking to 16 queens who all have different names, styles, like places of origin, (laughs) like you don't know any of their storyline, you know, it's like you just have to like feel out half an hour with all of them. I think that's to my advantage, though, is when we do those interviews ahead of the season, I have not seen the episodes, I have not seen the edit, I have not seen their performances. So I really like just diving into what the queens themselves have shown on their social media or in prior interviews leading up to that point. And it's a little bit more of an unfiltered image that they have put out there mm-hmm. because they haven't been on the show yet. So I really latch on to if I see certain recurring themes or recurring things in their performances or their social media is usually a little bit easier to sift through as well and pick up on things that forms the basis of my interview. I like to focus it on the Queens themselves instead of a narrative that we see on the show, which then does become the basis of what we cover 
after the show was airing, you, you know, you you cover the news that comes out of the show. But that's what I really love doing about beforehand is, is getting to know these queens, getting to know their artistry. And they respond really well. Um, I think that each one of the season 16 queens I had a really great interview dynamic with. And that is one thing that I I think is lacking a lot of the time in, in coverage of, of Drag Race Queens is it almost becomes like this, not a mockery of the Queens, but like a sort of caricature interviewing style of like where you think you're supposed to be like all kiki, blah, blah, like with the Queens and ask them just like stupid shit. And while it is fun to like throw some things in there, and I definitely do that to like make them laugh or break the ice a little bit. I think when you really get to the root of what makes these queens tick, they're really excited to talk about it. And then they open up to you a little bit more because they know that you've done your research. I can't tell you how many of the queens in those individual interviews before the season said to me, like, I am so surprised. Like you did your research. You know me. I feel like you know me based on these questions. So that is, that's how I do it. That's is, I really like to, focus in on the core of what makes these queens tick have you sat down with gaga um not in person but on the phone yes and what was that like i mean i i you're now i mean you're talking to my ghost i've just been a ghost on earth um ever since this happened the first time i was super nervous um but she she was very sweet i mean um first time i interviewed her was for the Joanne tour. And then the second time I interviewed her was for EW's award as podcast. We did an episode with her for house of Gucci. And, uh, I had a whole intro planned out that I was going to do. And as, cause I like to script out my podcast beforehand, but then at the very last minute, I was like, you don't need to try with her. Like she's always been open about being an Italian girl from New York. And I'm like, you're Italian as well. Like just and it was right before Thanksgiving. So it was like a time with family or whatever. And I was just like, talk about that. So that was one of the first things I said was that I was also from an Italian family. And she immediately just like responded to that. And then at the end, it was really nice because she was like, oh, blessings to you and your family as we go into Thanksgiving. And I was just like, <laughs> I mean, saved that recording forever. You've also interviewed the entire, like the main cast of Devil Wars Prada. Yes, via Zoom with the cerulean yeah. background, which you did such. A I good did job the cerulean doing. background. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. How do you like? How do you do that? Also, I mean, that is, yeah. So, so I like to do um, when I when I pitch things like that. That is a lot of the time coming from personal interest and experience in a film. Like, I I have trouble covering things that I'm not personally like interested in. Like, I also did that with burlesque. I did a burlesque um, oral history. Uh, but this one, yeah, the Devil Wars product one was on video. We just all gathered on Zoom. This was still in like sort of pandemic time, so we couldn't do it in person. But, um, and I, I mean, yeah, that I think that, like I said, with the Drag Race Queens, it, it people respond when they can tell that you have a personal knowledge of the subject matter and you're not just doing like a run of the mill job as a journalist, but like you're asking questions that are happening or coming up in the fan base or the cultural discussion of this film in the last 15 years. So that's where my preparation starts is you get the news that you need to get from production, but then you also ask things that fans and diehard followers of this film and these actors would want to know. So do you like, if you were going to talk to yourself when you were at Pitt, like studying film mm -hmm. that you had this job, would you be gagged? 
Um, very much like the RuPaul and Lux Noir London exchange that we had, uh, yeah. or that they had on the episode. Um, no, I, I would not be gagged, to be honest. Like, I know that that sounds arrogant, but I think as an Aries, I have been throughout my entire life, I've been extremely ambitious. And when I want something, I go for it and I don't stop. And that was just, it was not even a question for me that I was not going to have something like what I have now um, or, or doing the job that that I want to do now. Um, yeah, because I think if I had let that doubt creep in, I would have done something else. And I had a lot of people telling me, don't study film you're not going to be able to get a job like oh yeah entertainment weekly like yeah like you're ever going to work there i mean there's what 10 people that work there it's of course people who have never uh set foot in the journalism industry the day in their life but i just kept my sights set on it i never gave up and i moved to new york city in oh 2015 um i was running my own oscar predictions website and podcast on independently at that time and I had saved up a lot of money, so I worked on that pretty much exclusively for the first three months that I lived in New York. Entertainment Weekly was the first job that I applied for after moving there, and I got it. And that's where I wanted to, as Valerie Terrace would say, <laughs> I got it. And um, yeah, that was the job that I wanted ever since I was a kid. So I got it. Let's talk about New York. So you're here. So much of entertainment is in LA. What is that dynamic like? And are you just always taking that three and a half hour flight like your whole life? I'm actually terrified of flying. Or well, I used to be terrified of flying. Um, I once, oh God, I was once so terrified of getting on a plane that my family, right before I moved to New York, my family wanted to go on a vacation to Orlando. And I was like, I'm not going. I'm like, I'll, I'll take the train. And my family was like, all right take the train so i took a, a 27 hour train oh from pittsburgh from pittsburgh to orlando and then took a 27 hour train right back a week later but thankfully i got over my fear of flying last summer i went to la and i was totally fine i just flew to orlando two weeks ago um totally fine and yeah i think i'm over that now but yeah no i don't go for work too often i mean there's a lot that goes on in new york i can a lot of the drag race shoots um that we do obviously happen here the cover shoot that we did for all-star seven happened in new york it's that pr team is really great and uh they usually work with us on a lot and are very accommodating and um yeah but the, the thing that a lot of people don't realize is that yeah like there's a lot of production that happens in la there's also a lot of production that happens in new york but like publishing and journalism is based in New York. So I think that's why there's um, a, a big presence for journalists in the entertainment world here as much as there is in LA too. What is your dream round table interview? Tammy Brown eight times cloning herself. Um, <laughs> um, my dream panel. Um, Hmm. Are we going like serious or what would like just give me my life? I'm thinking I'm I'm thinking like, you know, they do the Hollywood reporter roundtables with the actors. Yes. Yeah. I'm yeah, thinking yeah. that setting, and then I'm thinking inside the actor studio one-on-one, like what oh. you dream for that. So like a dream round table and then a dream one-on-one. Dream round table would be probably like winners of America's Next Top Model. Like all of them. Mm -hmm. Um, and then one-on-one. -on -one, 
Um, if it's people that I have not already interviewed, I'd probably say Madonna. Mm-hmm. Um, a dream one, although that would be slightly terrifying. Um, because I know she just sometimes chews journalists up, but uh yeah, I think Madonna would be my dream one-on-one just because I have such a vast knowledge of her career and I constantly want to ask her what's coming next, and that would be that would be it. And if you're willing to share, what would be the question that you think Madonna hasn't been asked yet? Oh, no, I don't know. Um, Isn't that so hard with someone's interviewed so often? It's like, well, yeah, what is like the 40 new? 40 years of right. interviews. Um, oh, um, I would ask, absolutely ask her, why have you not gone on RuPaul's Drag Race as a guest judge yet? That would be my question. Well, now we can't use that because I don't want other people to. <laughs> I don't want other people to ask her that. But that would be my question to her, which I have asked Cher. <laughs> I did ask Cher that question, uh-huh. um, and she was like, "Well, I guess I'm going to have to go on." That was literally her response. She was like, "I guess at this point, I'm going to have to." It's go jury on. duty for queer icons. <laughs> yes. Yeah, is there that... is there any queer icons that you have not yet met or interacted with in some way? Madonna. Um, yeah, I'm sure there's many of them. Um, I mean, I've interviewed a lot of them. RuPaul, Kylie Minogue, Lady Gaga, Meryl Streep. Um, I haven't met or interviewed Billy Porter, uh, even though Billy Porter is also from Pittsburgh, which has an interesting connection there. Um, yeah, no, I... I, I can't think of any. I think I've even interviewed like Lady Bunny. Did I interview Lady Bunny? <laughs> I think I did. Yeah, there's been a lot. My last question for you from someone who has this like, you're both within and an observer of queer culture. Like you observe it and you're co creating it with these figures. Mm. Like if you were to reflect on that dynamic, like, are there things that you would want to change about popular culture or how we view celebrities or drag queens? Like, do you have a, a cultural critique after spending so much time in that space? Yeah, I, I think the the cultural critique that I would have is for even those who claim to be supporters and fans of drag culture to not to see them as not characters and as more than just someone wearing a wig and doing a number on stage. I mean, these are people, they have feelings, they have thoughts, they're artists. What they're doing is not putting on a costume to um, fool you into thinking that they are something else. A lot of the time, this is who they are and just an alternate form of expressing who they are and treat them seriously, treat them as seriously as you would treat you know, seeing Madonna or Lady Gaga in a wig on stage, um, they are equally as deserving of your respect just because they perform in bars and not, you know, stadium arenas does not mean that uh, they are any lesser of an artist and you should approach them the same way. And I think that's incredibly important right now um, is humanizing the artist beyond just what we see in a colorful wig and, and costume um, as we're seeing things like what's playing out in Tennessee right now with these 
restrictive laws. Uh, I think humanizing these these artists more is more important now than it really has been before, which is so wild to say in 2023. But I I think that they deserve um to be seen as people and artists and who are just making a living and are not out to threaten anybody. So that's what I would say is a lot of that starts with the way it it can start with the way you treat them in a club or a bar and the way you watch their shows and respect them there all the way up to how you interview them on a national platform. Like we do for quick drag. Yeah. Or quick drag, (laughs) which is new episodes every Tuesday on EW.com slash drag race, which we, where we give article write-ups or everywhere you get podcasts, Apple, Spotify, wherever we're doing new weekly interviews with queens and special guests we just had frankie grande on um so yeah it's a good time thank you for your work joey thanks for coming on thank you so much i appreciate your time